Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, the readings for this second Sunday of Lent deal with the question of faith. And it makes them central, therefore, to our spiritual lives because in some ways everything in the Christian life centers around this great attitude of faith. Paul Tillich, the 20th century Protestant theologian, said, faith is the least understood word in the religious vocabulary. And there's something right about that. But the Bible gives us time and again reflections on the nature of faith. The first reading for this second Sunday of Lent deals with Abraham. Whenever the Bible talks about Abraham, it's talking about faith. He is our father in faith, the one who is made just and righteous by faith. So we have to attend rather carefully to the stories around Abraham. Do you remember how it begins? Abram is 75 years old in the city of Ur, and he hears a call from God. Abram, get up, take your family, everyone you know, and leave and go on a desert trek following the promptings of God until you discover the land he wants to show you. Imagine somebody 75, suddenly just uprooting his whole life, telling his whole family, we're leaving. Well, the miracle is that he did it. Sometimes I wonder in the Bible, did God try this several times before someone said yes? Maybe he did. Maybe Abram is the first one to say, okay, I'll take you up on this offer. This tells us something essential about faith. Don't think of it, Christians, primarily in terms, or first in terms, of propositions that we believe in. That's an aspect of faith, and I don't down, put that down for a second. But I think in a more primordial sense, faith means an attitude of trust. An attitude of trust. Again, Abram called at the age of 75 on this wild journey. And he says yes to it. He accepts it. Does he know where he's going? No. Is there a map? No. Is there a clear plan? No. Is he in control of it? Absolutely not. And yet, he trusts. This is the basic meaning of faith. We have a God who is adventurous. I don't know any other way to describe it. We have a God, the Bible reveals to us, who loves adventure. He loves summoning us, his creatures, into ever richer life. Well, to go on an adventure means you got to let go. 
You're contributing, sure. You're, you're playing your part, but you're not in control. You're being led by a power greater than yourself. This is the story of the Bible. Are God's adventurous? The proper response to an adventurous God is faith. Set Abram for a second against Adam and Eve. What was their problem? At a moment of truth, they didn't trust, they grasped. They seize the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That means they want to be in control. They want to know, they want to understand what God is up to. It never works that way with the adventurous God. Can you read the rest of the Bible as God's steady attempt to lure His children back into faith? Walk through the Bible and you see page after page the exhortation to trust. Trust in me. Trust me. Have faith. This is the stance and story of Abraham. Our reading for today is set against that background. Listen now. God said to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as a possession. O Lord God, Abram asked, how am I to know that I shall possess it? We're at a key moment. God announcing that He's a God of adventure. I brought you out of your home country. And now you're on the verge of entering the promised land. And Abram falters, as a lot of us do. Do I trust or not? How do I know? He falters. What happens then? God establishes with him a covenant. An agreement. A deal. Abram, I will be faithful to you. And I'm going to show you my fidelity, hoping that you will respond in faith. It's a wonderful description here. Listen to what happens. God says, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old she-goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought him all these, split them in two, and placed each half opposite the other. What's going on in this peculiar scene? In the ancient world, in Abram's time, this was the way that two people made an agreement with each other. They cut these animals in half, placed them side by side, and then the two members of the covenant would walk in between the halves to symbolize the fact that they are loyal to each other. And by implication, may this happen to us if we are disloyal to this covenant. The amazing thing here is that now God and a human being are entering into a similar agreement. I will be your God. You will be my people. I am the God of adventure and fidelity. I want you to be a people of trust. That's what it's about. Listen now as the story goes on. As the sun was about to set, a trance fell upon Abram, and a deep, terrifying darkness enveloped him. Christians, this is the way the covenant 
looks from our side. Adam and Eve wanted to know. See what I mean? They wanted to have it. They wanted clarity on their terms. But when you are dealing with the Lord God, you are dealing with the adventurous God of Israel, you are not in control. This is good news. It means we're going on an adventure that is greater than we can imagine. This is why Abram falls into a trance and he falls into a deep sleep. He's surrounded by darkness. Darkness, I don't know where I'm going. A trance, it's as though my mind is no longer in control. Deep sleep, it's as though I'm defenseless. That's the way it goes with the living God. We must be willing to surrender. But now listen. When the sun had set and it was dark, there appeared a smoking brazier and a flaming torch which passed between those pieces. It was on that occasion that the Lord made a covenant with Abram. I just said when two human beings did this, they would walk in between the split pieces. Now, in the darkness comes this brazier, this flame, this light. How often God is associated in the Bible with light. And this brazier moves through the pieces. That's God Himself announcing His fidelity. You trust in Me, I'll be faithful to you. Now the church asks us on this second Sunday of Lent to read that remarkable reading from Genesis in tandem with our Gospel. The Gospel is Luke's account of the transfiguration. And they are beautifully parallel texts. Listen now. Jesus took Peter, John, and James and went up onto a mountain to pray. While He was praying, His face became changed in appearance. His clothes became dazzlingly white. Suddenly, two men were talking with Him, Moses and Elijah. We're on the holy mountain. This means an encounter with God is going to take place. Jesus is illumined. His clothes become dazzlingly white. There's the light that we often associate with God. There's the light of that brazier that made its way through the split pieces of the animals in the first reading. The brilliance of Jesus is a sign of the luminosity of God, God's fidelity. Whom is he speaking to? Moses and Elijah. The law and the prophets, yes, they symbolize those. But also I think Moses and Elijah are great biblical adventurers. Both people who at key moments in their lives listened to God's command, responded to God's summons precisely when they didn't know where they were going precisely when they didn't know for sure what to expect. Moses in the desert sees the burning bush. Elijah, when he's being pursued, when his life is in danger, accepts God's call. They're both figures of faith. Listen as it goes on. Peter and those with him had fallen into a deep sleep. Should be familiar. Abram fell into a deep sleep as though a trance came over him. Here, Peter, James, and John fall deeply asleep. Why? They're not in control. 
Christians, neither are we when it comes to the Lord God. Neither are we. We don't know for sure where we're going. John Henry Newman has that wonderful poem, Lead Kindly Light. He says, Lord, give me enough light just for the next step. I can't see the distant scene. I don't ask for that. Just give me light for one step. To be in relationship to the God of adventure is to be in the dark. We are not in control. Finally, Peter, James, and John see the great vision of Jesus and Elijah and Moses. And when these were leaving, Peter said to Jesus, Master, how good it is for us to be here. Let us set up three booths, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. It's so typical of Peter. It's deeply human. There's something very touching about that. And, and something spiritually dangerous. We are always tempted to go back to Eden, to go back to Adam and Eve, seizing at the knowledge of good and evil. We are in control. Listen again to Peter's words. Lord, let me build three booths here so you and Moses and Elijah can stay put and I can know you and see you and control you. It never works that way with the Lord God. Faith is an attitude of trust in the God of adventure who is always pulling us and prodding us and pushing us into deeper life. People of faith don't build booths, but they're ready to go on adventure. Here's our Lenten lesson on this second Sunday. Don't hang on and cling, but trust, have faith, be willing to be lured by the God of adventure. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.